It's the first song off of our new album. It just came out yesterday. A little thing called In a World So Opposed to Simply Belonging. In a World So Opposed to Simply Belonging. I simply belong to you. It's not normal to dance in the workplace. It's not normal to sing while walking down the street. It's not normal to dress flamboyantly, practically all the time, everywhere. Not that you couldn't, but people might stare, or worse. So we don't do it, or we just regulate it to only certain times and places. But really, when was the last time that you sung out loud, danced, or wore an eye-popping outfit? Do you ever think about that? And why you likely have not done any of those things, at least recently, even in the few social settings where you could do so, at the same time, have you ever enjoyed the music of, say, James Brown or David Bowie, maybe Madonna, or Sierra Farrell? Have you considered that those two things might be connected? Visually, there's a lot going on with all the artists I just mentioned, and that has more than a little to do with their success. You cannot separate James Brown's music from his magnetic stage presence. You cannot not think of Sierra Farrell's extravagant get-ups when you hear one of her songs. But while visual cornucopias are both key to their overall appeal and worth celebrating for, if nothing else, the spectacle of what we see, this aspect is just one level of their influence. The physicality of these artists' dancing and movements, their elan, their charm, all of those act as multipliers for their charisma and coupled with superb music become an unstoppable force. And that force is speaking to us in ways that go far beyond what we see on stage or on a video. It is giving us permission to be, if only for an hour or two, that person that sings or dances or dresses to the nines without fear of reproach. And it is challenging us to realize how many unwritten rules we could be following or how necessary breaking out of certain mindsets can be. Now, if you asked Kevin Russell, often called Kev, of the band Shiny Ribs, if his goal was to entertain you or if it was to try to change your life or save you from something, he might answer by affirming the former. Take one look at him and you know immediately that this guy is an entertainer. But Kev operates on a lot of levels, many more than what meets the eye or ears. He might answer by affirming both. I'm Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Kev Russell and Shiny Ribs on Southern Songs and Stories. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW, at WNCW.org. Shiny Ribs is an Austin, Texas band that began in 2007 as a side project for Kev Russell, who was then still committed to The Gourds, the band he had co-founded 15 years earlier, and which would release its last album in 2011. Known for his showmanship on stage and for a big band approach to both the concept and performances of his music, and drawing from a smorgasbord of funky roots rock, big band swing, Tex-Mex, screaming soul, and burlesque blues, while pumping out infectious rhythms and topping it all with hooky harmony, Shiny Ribs is a party waiting to happen. At least that's what it sounds like on first listen and looks like at first glance. Shiny Ribs is a shindig and a large one at that, but it is also a vehicle for Kev's unique brand of poetry, which can point to deeper, darker issues at times, especially on his latest album, Transit Damage. I spoke with Kev in early October 2023 on a crisp, clear autumn afternoon in the rolling foothills of the upstate of South Carolina before Shiny Ribs' performance as headliner at the Albino Skunk Music Festival, where we talked about the secret sauce that went into his new album, about making good records in the studio and being equally good live, how starting Shiny Ribs felt like a Hail Mary to him at first, Plus, we discussed James Brown and an albino skunk fest memory which parallels one of the Godfather of Souls' signature parts of his shows. There's a lot more, including more live music from Shiny Ribs' performance that night, all ahead on our show. Our conversation started by catching up on what was happening with Shiny Ribs in the last couple of years or so. In that span, the band changed many of its members as Kev and producer Steve Berlin crafted the band's eighth album, Transit Damage. As Kev told me, Shiny Ribs' music depends heavily on what his band members bring to each song, so it was bound to be an evolution of their sound. And at the outset, Steve Berlin took from a stockpile of 30 or more songs that Kev Russell gave him, some of which went back to the era of his former band, The Gourds, and decided to make the record go in a direction that many of the band's fans probably would find challenging. When I spoke with Kev, I had not heard his latest record, as it was brand new, But afterwards, I spent time with it and marveled at how its themes and subject matter were quite dark at times. Graciously, Kev replied to my follow-up question about that and how he came to choose a Husker Du song to cover, and you will hear his response coming up. First, here is Kev Russell replying to my question about how different Transit Damage is from his previous work and what was its secret sauce. You know, the secret sauce, I think, is just the the, uh, the studio that we were in. It's called The Finishing School, and it's a, it's a world-class, uh, small little uh, house studio in North uh, Austin. Um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been wired by a guy named Jim Valentine. Uh, it's just incredible sounding, uh, the gear they have there. Uh, Jim himself, uh, the guy who designed... The studio did the engineering, so we had. The, it's always good to have the designer of the studio doing the engineering, because <laughs> they can squeeze it for all it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was in part of our team, and then the core band, which was me, uh, my bass player Mason Handcammer, uh, a drummer Fred Mondujano, 
and then uh, and then a great keyboard player, uh, uh, Dan Creamer, also known as Fancy Jenkins. <laughs> that's a, uh, yeah. That's the best name for a keyboard player. Yeah, Fancy right there. Jenkins. <laughs> so uh, or Dancy Jenkins. Uh, anyway, it was a core, great core core band, and we just uh, locked in and really, uh, really just got off on the music, uh, creating very, I think, vibrant tracks that have live energy in them playing with a core band. Uh, I know that's such a, a challenge for you, Kev. Always a challenge. It is a challenge for me in recorded music because I get into the studio and, you know, like you can't sing super loud into microphones. They're not made to do that. Where I'm used to, I'm a sort of a throwback vaudeville kind of singer. Yeah, let's talk about the contrast between your yeah. live set and your recorded work because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of synchronicity. You know, that syncs up. It's it's got that. It, there, your live record. I'm sorry, you on stage live is not so far apart from your uh, records. But a lot of ba- bands that are great live have have trouble in from time to time we yeah. won't say who but yeah. you know there's some disappointing studio records for great live bands but right. i think you can do both yeah yeah i try to do both it is a challenge and i think you know there's, there's songs that are on my first couple of records that live now they're incredible like we've changed them into these amazing things and they're good on the records but what they've become live as they've grown because everything all songs grow through the live performance over time so that's what's fun. A lot of bands, they abandon their older material for newer material. And I get that. You have to do that uh, when you're marketing new music. But but you really should always keep some of them, them nuggets, them fat nuggets that you know your fans love, that always work, that are always great live. And so I keep a few of those sprinkled in my set all the time. I, I love doing the old stuff, especially the stuff that's just gotten better over time. Speaking of nuggets, that is a bit of Song of Lime Juice and Despair by Shiny Ribs, performed live at the Albino Skunk Music Festival in the fall of 2023, 10 years after it appeared on their album Gulf Coast Museum. You probably recognized his quote from Dolly Parton's hit Jolene at the beginning, which is just one of many occasions where Kev Russell has improvised a medley on stage. 
We talk about that later on, but first, here's his response to the question of where he was going with the lyrics on Transit Damage and how he came to cover a song from the post-punk band Husker Du. Husker Du, you mentioned Pink Tarts the Blue, the Grant Hart song. Yeah, I'm a huge Husker Du fan, and I love Zen Arcade, the record that came off of. Uh, and we radically rearranged it. Um, but it's a dark song. It's a very dark song. So I think that song brought in a darkness to the record, the the, the song Dark Cloud. I feel like these songs sort of go hand in hand, and they, they establish a narrative about a young woman who's traumatized, wounded, uh, reputation is stained, and she's trying to start a new life and get away from from all the bullshit that she's dealt with. So yeah, that's kind of a dark story, and it's a real story. It's a story about about her and her life, and 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 her ups and downs, uh, falling in love, life, love, death. Um. And I was just trying to, you know, I we were just trying to make a good record a cohesive record with a basic sort of narrative and a feel. And uh, everything sort of fits together, I think. And yeah, it's a little darker than I usually do, but it's nothing new for me. I mean, you know, probably if you listen to some of my other stuff, you would find that I've always tackled serious subject matters. I'm not always the happy-go-lucky party dude that you see on stage. That's what people think of me as, and I love to do that kind of music. I love to have fun and spread joy and uh, dance and sing and you know but I also I also write lots of serious songs I do I always have so this is nothing new for me I think it's new that I've made a, a cohesive record that leans towards that darker um, narrative which is good right I mean I think it's good your view out the uh, kitchen window oh my view out the kitchen well you know I, I have an open kitchen that opens onto my backyard that uh it's really nice view i have a pool out there and i have uh some really nice trees a really nice uh, spanish oak tree uh our trees have taken a beating lately so i really uh appreciate the trees i have left i've lost some lost some really nice trees is that from drought uh, drought and freezes. We had a huge uh, ice storm last winter that took out a lot of trees, a lot of 
live oaks got broken by that. The ice got so heavy on the limbs. Oh. It was so heavy. Yeah. What so. about where you're at? Where is that exactly? <clears throat> That's Austin, Texas. Yeah, but out you're not um, in the city, right? Oh, yeah. I'm down south, like far south Austin. Okay. Technically out of the city limits, but still, uh, and I can't vote in city elections or anything. But uh, You're controlled by Austin. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My address still says Austin, Texas. Um, tell us about Austin because uh, how many books could be written or how many have already been written? Uh, like, what's your relationship with Austin, Texas? Oh, gosh. Well, it goes way back to when I was a kid. I mean, you start as a kid. For me, I was uh, told about Austin by my uncle, Jimmy, and my mom's brother. And uh, he'd talk about Jerry Jeff. He'd play Jerry Jeff and Willie and Waylon and uh, talk about Austin. And then my brother would come to Austin uh, he was a track guy, uh, cross-country runner, and he would come in for the state relays, the big state track meet they have every year. It's a big deal. And, uh, and he came to Austin from Beaumont, where we lived. And he would come back from Austin and see like his hair had gotten lighter and his skin was like more tan and he was glowing. And you could just tell like he, <laughs> he had a great time in Austin. Austin glow. Yeah, he had an Austin glow. So uh, when did you <laughs> know what your future would hold? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess I didn't know it, but looking back, I I can see that I, as of my seven, eight years old, I was trying to talk my friends into learning instruments and starting a band, you know. So right. <laughs> that started that young for me, that I am literally living my dream. So, and uh, I feel so fortunate I've been able to live it as long as I have. Yeah, and we are blessed with that fortune as well. It's amazing. Kev Russell is an entertainer first, but his mission goes deeper than that. Shiny Ribs is a band that can make you want to sing or dance in public or both. They are a group that makes you feel okay with wearing that favorite piece of loud clothing. And thinking about it, that really is a mission to serve the greater good in this world. Just before that last bit of conversation here on the podcast, I had asked Kev what a typical day was like. And he answered that it was much like anyone's, pretty humdrum, where he and his family sit around and are on their smartphones a lot. That stuck out. Here is one of the flashiest, most larger-than-life music artists I have known, bored like the rest of us whenever he is not making music. Taking that a step further, I bet that if Kev Russell has any evangelistic tendencies, they would not be all that church-like but for the fact that when Kev is singing and playing, he is encouraging us to experience joy and to let go of the worldly day-to-day, the boxes we find ourselves in, and very often have put ourselves into. When you think about it, choosing joy is a lot easier said than done. But Kev Russell is opening a door for you and giving you a peek at what life can be like without so much baggage. Rich or poor, we all have some. All right, one more bit. One, two, and three, and four. Shup, shup, Some brown out of there. You can get more at the puppy for stuff. That puppy for stuff. 
record lots of good things what else what's on the near horizon gosh you know uh we had a uh we had a dear my dear friend uh alice spencer who was the number one shiny soul sister she uh quite abruptly quit uh quit the band in the middle of tour this year uh and it's only been about a month or so ago uh so that's really um that's been a gut punch to be honest so and it's but it's made me sort of reflect on where I'm at now, uh, what where I've been, what I've achieved. Just take some accounting for for what what I've done because the shiny ribs thing was was like kind of a kind of a uh, it felt like a a last minute you know bomb and at the end of the game to me it was a hail after Mary. the boards. After the Gordes, the Shining Rivers felt a little bit like a Hail Mary for me at that point in my career when I was like about 40, you know. So it seems so logical now. It seems so logical, yeah, but at the time I didn't know. Like the Gordes was, I was leaving behind something that worked. It was a big deal. Yeah, but it also felt like it was over. So, yeah. you know, uh, emotionally, musically, I, it was just time to move on. But uh, so that's kind of how I feel now, you know. This is like one of those deals like, uh, it's made me take an accounting. I want to get to the end of the year, and next year I might, uh, I might, I might take a little time off and just, uh, just sort of reflect. And and as well, I should say I lost my father this year uh, around Easter, so I didn't really have time to 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 grieve. I mean, of course I'm grieving, but but I had to go right into touring. You know, putting out a record and touring. And I just had to put it aside a little bit, so. I would like to take some time for myself next wow. year for, for some of that. Do you ever think about band leaders like yourself? Because it seems very interesting that it was so hard that uh, your bandmate left. Yeah. And, and I've, I've witnessed uh, band leaders that have uh, had these intense, close relationships with their bandmates. But all of those things change over time, and, it, it, and it's completely different reactions and uh, styles of how you lead the band and what your relationship is. Can yeah. you can you comment on those dynamics? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. I, I mean, I have a lot of uh, thoughts about how I manage the band. I'm pretty, and this is how I do a lot of things in my life. I'm I'm pretty passive and sort of uh, I let kind of let things sort of be what they're going to be, and I like to let give people space to be who they want to be. There's a fine line, though, at some point, especially with the Shiny Ribs thing. That's why I wanted to do it, because I wanted, I wanted to operate within a benevolent dictatorship huh. is really what I wanted. So, But, uh, you know, but I'm a real chill person, and I give people second, third, fourth chances, you know, because I just, that's just the kind of person I am. I believe in that. So it's not, it doesn't make for the most defined um, 
uh, management style. <laughs> you're not you're not micromanaging anything. I'm not micromanaging anybody, and but sometimes I do. But what it leads to sometimes is I, I sometimes will lose my temper or get angry about a situation if it hadn't been dealt with by the parties involved, whoever it may be. There's been a lot of those little things through the years, and you, you know, because everybody to me are grown grown-ass people you know it's like and they can handle it they can right. handle a disagreement or something with each other it you just got to deal with other people you know it's, everybody that works has to deal with who they work with you don't really get to choose you know so i feel like bands should be the same way uh so but sometimes people can't solve their problems and it becomes my problem and then i could sometimes get kind of mad but <laughs> so you're not james brown up there flashing the five no I, I'm a really chill boss. I mean, I'm very nice to everybody. I pay them as well as I possibly can, and and I try to be, you know, a friend, a good person to them. And uh, and when I do have to fire them, I give them plenty huh. of notice, and I give them severance pay. You know, I take care it of happens. Them. Um, I love how you can quote so many different songs within the same song. It's just <laughs> a superpower or something. I, I, I don't ever imagine how I could do that. It's just wonderful to watch. What do you what goes through your mind when you're doing that? Is that is that on the fly? Is that rehearsed? Well it, it, it initially when it happens it's on the fly. So but some of the things you do on the fly on any given night, if it worked really well, you're gonna do it again. So then it becomes expected and scripted. But it's still fun because most audiences have never heard it so uh for us in the band it's like we know it's coming and, and we know it's, but but for the audience they don't know it's coming and it just it's a thrill and but then within that i will make up stuff things will pop in my head like last night in Asheville, i had sweet sweet emotion coming to my head during a song aerosmith aerosmith it's <laughs> never happened before wow ah. and i went with it and everybody's like that was awesome <laughs> Tell us about your run here at Skunk Fest. You've had, I don't know how many shows at Skunk Fest. I love the uh, Skunk Fest, especially where you picked up the preacher's robe from Zig. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. I still have Tell that Tell us about your experience robe. here at Skunk. Man, we I mean, we go way back with these skunks. I think we might have met them maybe at, I don't know, at Mitch's Festival down in Florida, Riverhawk, or somewhere like that. But <clears throat> we met them and whole crew around them you know that go to these festivals and i don't know is this you meet some people and you just feel a kinship with them i don't they just are open friendly welcoming lovely people uh zig and that whole crew and all these folks that are they're the whole periphery of this community uh so yeah we just became friends with them the gourds did that's how we met them and uh they were they just wanted to party and we partied with them and yeah uh, you know, it's just funny how it happens. You, you just sort of fall into these friendships, and then they end up last. Next thing you know, it's been 25 years. You know? Do you still have those robes? I do. I have that robe he gave me. It's, it's on a mannequin in my studio. It's a very creepy mannequin. It's uh, Well, the story, <laughs> I've, I've not told this story yet, and it's worth telling, is uh, how Zig got the preacher's robe was that he was contracted to um, refurbish what was an old church, Yeah, I think, was right. the story. Mm -hmm. And these preacher's robes were in there. It was a black church and just exquisite purple robe for yeah. the preacher. Yeah. And 
Man, speaking of James Brown, when <laughs> you were here, however many years ago that was, yeah. and the robe was unveiled, it was the uh, James Brown collapsing on stage moment where Zig helped bring you back. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Oh, that was great. Yeah. That was great. That was, yeah, I think we just got that robe. It was a new thing we were using. It's on its last legs now, man. It's been in the shop. I guess there's something wrong with it. I'm going to have to get another one, I guess. Well, it's got a rich history nonetheless. Just like me, man. It's just Yes. <laughs> you put it in the shop. Closing out this episode with If Love is Earned by Shiny Ribs, performed live at the Albino Skunk Music Festival, another new song the band played from their album Transit Damage. That's our show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it when you spread the word about this series, and it is easy to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, where it will only take a minute to give us a good rating and where it's an option, a review. It is incredibly helpful when you do that for the visibility of this series as well as the artist we profile here. This series is a part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Zig Ziglar, Christy Beal, Mark Johnson, and everyone at the Albino Skunk Music Festival who made this episode possible, and you can listen to more episodes on this series on artists who have played there, like Miko Marks, Daryl Scott, and Elon Jewell. We also have interviews with Nora Jane Struthers and the band Stillhouse Junkies from this fall Skunk Fest coming up, as well as conversations with Pete Wernick, among others, from this fall's IBMA conference. Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it.
lately I think about the wholesome and everything I've done. The, I mean, I just didn't really stop to think about it. I just did it, you know. And I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I mean, really, I have very little formal musical training or knowledge. I'm it's totally self-taught. Uh, I didn't know how to write a song. I just wanted to write songs, so I just did it. Uh, and that just led me to through all these relationships and adventures and, uh, you know, just my whole life is like been, I've been the soundtrack to my own life, I guess is what it is. It's pretty cool, you know, uh, just as, just as I dreamed it really as a kid. Uh, I mean, it's not exactly how I dreamed it, of course, but, but it's been, uh, to look back now, it's amazing. I've been looking back and seeing the whole thing more than I have ever done before. 